What a crazy time we're living in right now. Everybody's got their own little struggles going on. On episode 144, our guest, Kevin Hieronymus, longtime sports editor at the Borough County Republican in Princeton, joined us, talked a lot about sports, his career, things that we had done together, and he had joined us while his mom was in the hospital, and she passed away on Wednesday. Want to give a heartfelt shout out to Kevin and his family. Know how much his mother, Mrs. Hieronymus, meant to him and to everybody in that community. So rest in peace, Mrs. Hieronymus. Our thoughts are definitely with the Hieronymus family. While we're kind of in this rest in peace, best wishes segment right here as an intro, don't think I mentioned it before, but last week, one of my favorite movie characters of all time, Debo, passed away. And I may have mentioned it, but it means so much to me, I want to say it again. Debo, as a kid, was like that dude. Like, he was the villain that, you know, if you were a bully or whatever, you'd be like, hey, what do you got on my 40, homie? Even if you weren't old enough to drink a 40. Just because he was that kind of character that you remembered the look the grimace, the everything about him was memorable. Wasn't the most popular guy, of course. He was the villain in the movie Friday from Ice Cube in the mid-90s, believe like 95. I love the movie. I love everything about it. I go back and watch it probably like once a year, once every other year. Probably know just about every line of it. But the scenes with Debo and his catchphrases and the things that he said resonate with me more than pretty much everything. You know, Smokey, who was Chris Tucker, has got a few lines that always stick out. Ice Cube, of course. But Debo's are most memorable for me, and I was very sad when he passed away. So even if I did it before on a previous episode, which now that I'm talking about this, I think I did, but one of the most important, memorable, favorite characters of any movie I've ever watched was Debo. So he deserves another shout out if I've already done it. Rest in peace. Man, Friday's been hit hard this past year. Debo passes away. John Witherspoon, who played Ice Cube's father in Friday, passed away earlier this year. Friday's getting hit hard. One of my favorite movies. Love everybody in the cast. Rest in peace to Debo and John Witherspoon. And if you didn't know, Debo's real name is Tiny Lister. He also was a wrestler in the 80s. Zeus, tag team partner, Macho Man Randy Savage, trying to take out Hawk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So Tiny Lister, I will always call him Debo, always call him Debo, was a guy that was around that you knew and was the monster villain. And as you get older, you appreciate those monster villains, and I definitely appreciated him. That's not all that we have for the show. We have all kinds of awesomeness to talk about including movies. This is kind of the movie episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance, and we are joined by special guest Josh Nauman. He is the Illinois Valley Community College women's basketball team's coach. He is a teacher at Putnam County High School and does a little bit of everything, including watching 95 movies during COVID-19 quarantine. That's right. He has watched 95 movies. So, we wanted to talk some movies, talk about this quarantine, 
COVID-19, what has been going on with the IVCC women's basketball team. If you didn't know, I'm an assistant coach for him. Try to be involved as much as possible. And we're awaiting a season, if we can have it. Supposedly, we'll be able to practice and start games in January. He discusses all that, the roster, and the excitement to get back on the hardwood floors, courts. It's exciting. Hopefully, we can do it. Also, talk a lot about national sports. He's a huge sports fan. Just like I, we break down a lot of stuff. Before we get to Josh Nauman, talk about some movies I've watched. I've been jotting down notes of things that I have put on the TV in the last few weeks. And I thought, hey, Nauman watched a lot of stuff. I've been watching some stuff. We'll have a movie episode. Why not, right? You know, movie theaters are closed, so we're watching them at our home. Why not make your home awesome to watch movies, right? Summer came and went. Fall is over. It's winter. Snow is falling. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but Pennsylvania. 18 to 24 inches of snow in a day. Insane. Glad we are in Illinois. I thought I'd never say that, especially in winter, but we're not getting hit like that, at least yet. Hopefully I didn't jinx us. If I did, I'll let you jump me. I apologize for that if I jinxed anything. But with winter, you know, home renovations can be difficult, but that doesn't mean they have to end. You can renovate, fix things inside your home, fix garages, sheds, things that you know need improvements. Olson Construction works hard to help its customers any time of the year. Brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. With COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, this may be a great time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Movies I want to discuss first. And these are in no order, really, just as I watched them, I wrote them down. So I guess this would be the first that I watched out of a good seven or eight movies. Project Power. Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Love them both. Both of those are two of my favorite actors. Jamie Foxx. I watched the Jamie Foxx show as a kid. Listened to his music when he had a couple R&B albums. Huge fan of Jamie Foxx. If I see his name on a movie, I'll probably check it out regardless of if it looks good or not, just because of Jamie Foxx. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, since Third Rock from the Sun, kind of the same thing. I've been watching him forever, pretty much seen everything that he's been in. Had to check this out. It was a cool flick, not award-winning, just okay. I mean, you can take a pill that will either kill you or make you some kind of superhero. So it was kind of cool to see what would happen and the dynamic of the way Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt played their characters worked really well. Throw in Dominic Fishback, who played the 
girl who was slinging these pills and then becomes hostage. The whole story develops around her. So you have this child actor. When I say child, she's probably in her teens. Then you got Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Lovett who are trying to help her, use her to find the source of who has Jamie Foxx's daughter. So without any more spoilers, that's pretty much the basis of the story. And it was okay. It was solid. If I was ranking 1 to 10 on the Edge of Your Seat podcast movie rankings, I'd give it probably a 6.75. <laughs> Make it difficult, but... Okay, movie. Not great. Not awful. Another one I watched. Shot Caller with... Hopefully I don't butcher this dude's name. Nikolaj Coster Waldo. Also known as Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. I will always know him as Jamie, but he did well in this movie. It was cool. He was a lawyer, had a family. He gets locked up for killing somebody when driving. DUI. Car gets smashed. The guy in the back seat is dead. He goes to prison for this, not jail, prison, and then becomes a gangster selling drugs, and his whole way of life changes. He gets out on parole, and just life wasn't the same. Pushes his family away, says, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. But it wasn't because he didn't want to. It was because he didn't want nothing to happen to them. Story is cool. He did well. It was weird seeing him in that kind of role after knowing him as only Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. But it was cool. I recommend. On the edge of your seat podcast scale, I'll go seven. I'll go seven. Strong seven. Kevin Hart does another stand-up, which I just saw for 2020 was Netflix's comedy special of the year. Zero F's given. You can figure out what the F means. I love Kevin Hart. I did not think this was his best. Definitely not his best, but it was cool. It's about the times. He starts off with COVID-19. He talks about a lot of things that anybody can connect with. That's why I love Kevin Hart. Because he takes the most normal, simplest things that all of us do or all of us can relate with and tells jokes that we can connect with. And that's why I love him. And this one was no different. Not as best, not as many laughs, not as long a laughs. And he starts off slow. Like I didn't really start laughing until probably about you know, 15, 20 minutes in, but then I didn't stop. I will give that, we'll say a 7.5. Love Kevin Hart. I would definitely check it out if you've not watched it yet. I've also saw a lot of friends on Facebook being like, not really digging this, and I think you don't dig it because it's not as funny as his older stuff. Because let's face it, you kind of run out of jokes after a while, or you're trying to rejuvenate, reinvent the wheel. Kevin Hart has been around for a long time at this point, and he's still golden. Every time that man steps on the stage, which was kind of cool how they did it, it was like he was in his house. Walks downstairs, and bam, it's a stage. So it was cool how they did it. I like the engineering. I like the way they presented the story. And if you can present a story with a stand-up comedy special, then that means it's pretty cool. Also watched a movie called Full Count. John Paul Kekos was the main lead of a baseball player who was a star pitcher in high school. He's going to college. Then there's this dude who is jealous. He's a hater. Kills himself because he's not the starting pitcher anymore. And Milton, that's the character's name, played by John Paul Kekos, takes a spot. Then Milton's father dies. He goes home and the police deputy 
is the kid who killed himself's father and takes it out on Milton. And then you've got a spiritual ghost guy who comes to the farm and try to help after the dad died. Cool story, but not my cup of tea. Not saying I don't believe in religion and angels and stuff like that, but the way this movie was done and the way it was just kind of there but not there, it just, it didn't resonate real well with me. I give it, we'll say a three. Okay story, just didn't like how it was portrayed. Inside Man Most Wanted. About a bank robbery, if you've not seen Inside Man, one of my favorite movies of all time. Denzel Washington, Jodie Foster, fantastic movie. I saw it in theaters when I was in college, so it had to come out in like 2006, 7 or 8, one of those years. And fantastic movie. This one, obviously not going to be as good, because they never really are. If they're sequels or the third or the fourth or the fifth, usually not as good, and they're not. But it was okay. I would probably give it a six. Not any really top name actors or actresses in this movie, but Roxanne McKee played the robber. Emil Amin was the cop, the NYPD. Rhea Seahorn, who has been in other things, probably the most notable actress or actor on the movie, was an FBI agent. It was cool, it was different, but you already knew it wasn't going to be as good as Inside Man. Still, I recommend go and check it out if you haven't. Then I started getting in the Christmas bag, the Christmas movie bag. Started with Christmas Chronicles 1. Kurt Russell, one of my favorite actors of all time, he is one of those dudes that is like, hey, if I had somebody that I could pick to go have a beer with, Kurt Russell would definitely be up there. I'm like, I'd love to go have a beer, chill out with Kurt Russell. Seems cool, down to earth, funny, my kind of dude. I would definitely go chill on Santa's sleigh, driving around, having a beer, watching the reindeer. Why not? The kids that were in the movie, Darby Camp was Kate Pierce, and then playing her older brother, Judah Lewis was Teddy Pierce. I thought they did a really good job. This was a different kind of Christmas movie. Starts off where the dad had spread Christmas cheer to Kate and Teddy their entire lives. He passes away and, you know, Teddy starts the movie by stealing a car. Kate is still young enough and impressionable enough, naive enough, thinks Santa's real, and that the family ties don't have to pass away because the dad passed away. Where Teddy's rebelling and not like that. Well, by the end of the movie, Teddy is lovey-dovey with Kate, with the family, with Santa, and the magical Christmas story that happens in the middle is the reason why. Without any spoilers, it did come out in 2018, and Christmas Chronicles 2, which is on my will watch soon list, just came out in 2020. So, two-year-old movie, pretty solid. I'm going to check out the sequel, see what happens in the second one. I'll give it, we'll give it a seven. Give it a seven. Not bad. Also watched A Bad Mom's Christmas. This one was loaded with stars. Mia Kunis, Katherine Hahn, Christian Bell, or like the Friends group, and then their mothers. Susan Sarandon was Hahn's mom. Cheryl Hines was Bell's mom. And Christine Baranski was Kunis' mom. Well done. It was cool, it was a chick flick, but I'd probably watch it again because it was funny, and Katherine Hahn is underrated. She is hilarious, 
She's a good actress, even though she kind of plays the same role in every movie. I love what she does. Kristen Bell, I had like celebrity crush on. She is hilarious, really good at what she does as well. Susan Sarandon, Hall of Famer. Everything that she's in is gold. Good cast. I like the way they wrapped around the Christmas story of mothers and daughters and friends and the way everything worked out. It was pretty cool. And then you know how to go back to a classic. I watched Home Alone all the time when I was a kid. Watched it probably like two or three weeks ago. Still love it. One of my favorite movies of all time. Macaulay Culkin as a kid. No one could do it better. You know, then he goes and does drugs and you know all that other stuff. But that's his story. Not mine to tell. Home Alone is still awesome. And I wish when I was a kid that robbers would have tried to come in my home so I could have done the same things. I was saying that then. I'm still saying that now. I wanted to do those things. I wanted to cut a rope that people were climbing across on a tree for it and then make them fall into the house. Put ornaments next to the window so when they try to climb in they're stepping on them because they're barefoot. After I put a nail through their foot with tar on a step going to the basement. Like that would have been awesome. And I wanted it to happen just like that. But Macaulay Culkin got to do that. I got to watch it. You got to watch it. I love Home Alone. Could watch it all the time. On this list of movies I just went through, Home Alone's my favorite. It's a classic. I give that a 9. A Bad Mom's Christmas. I'm going to go an 8. It was actually really cool. Really funny. Those are my movie breakdowns. After I watch some more, we'll talk about some more. But we got to get to Josh Norman's. We'll talk some football. We'll get to Norman's movies and talk some more sports with him. Week 15 NFL Football Talk is brought to you by Shimmers Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Before we get into Week 15 Talk, Week 14, I went 12-4 in picks. The four games I missed out on, I picked the Saints over the Eagles. I think everybody in the world did. Eagles shocked everybody. Chargers over the Falcons. To me, that was a 50-50 game. I thought the Falcons with their offense, Matt Ryan's playing, you know, Falcons got this. Nope, Chargers won that game. Ravens, Browns, I went Browns just because they've been playing well. Ravens have been struggling a little bit. Monday Night Football, Baltimore wins 47-42 in a crazy, crazy game. Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP of the league, Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback, goes out, has cramps, comes back in. Leads the Ravens to beat the Browns. Good football game. Pretty awesome. But I picked wrong. <laughs> then I picked against my team, the Chicago Bears. I went with the Texans. And then the Bears play the best football that they probably played all year. They looked amazing. Offense was clicking. Defense looked like they were the defense we thought they would be. And it was probably because the Texans have an awful defense. And their offense was decimated with injuries, suspensions, and COVID-19. But Bears get a W. I picked wrong. Those were the four that I missed out on. 12-4. and four, I am still very, very happy with that. Let's see if we can do it again. Week 15. Starting off Thursday. Chargers at Raiders. I'm going Raiders. Both teams are, meh, bottom of the, not bottom of the pack, but bottom of the middle, I guess. Not awful. Not great. Losing records, but not that bad, if that makes any sense. Going with Raiders. Sunday's games. 
Bills at Broncos. Bills are crushing it. They just beat the Steelers. I don't think they're going to let the Broncos upset them. Panthers at Packers. Same thing. Packers are playing really, really awesome football. Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate. A strong one. I'm going Packers. Buccaneers at Falcons. Falcons, you cannot beat the Chargers. You are not going to beat the Buccaneers. 49ers at the Cowboys. This is a trap game. I'm scared to pick either one. I wish I could get a W for this by not picking anybody. 49ers coming into the season were an elite team to me. COVID-19, injuries, bad play. <sighs> Just have not lived up to any of the hype or living up to going to the Super Bowl last year. Definitely not going again. Cowboys have been battling all kinds of crazy injuries, but have looked okay the last couple weeks. I'm going to go Cowboys. Lions at Titans. I'm going Titans. Lions just don't have enough to mess with Tennessee. Houston Texans at Indianapolis Colts. Texans looked really, really bad against Chicago. Colts have beaten Chicago and have been looking really strong lately. So I'm going Indy. New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are my sleeper team to be amazing this year. Get to the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe. This is crazy. But maybe get to the AFC Championship game. That would be awesome. Their defense is insane. Tua's been playing cool. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if Tua doesn't play well, comes in and gets the job done. I'm going Dolphins. Bears at Vikings. Whew. This is the 50-50 game of the week here. I'm a Bears fan, so I'm going Bears. If Mitchell Trubisky plays a quarter of like he did this past week, no way that the Vikings beat the Bears. And I'm going to rely on Mitchell Trubisky. I know that sounds crazy. Nobody ever wants to say they're relying on Trubisky, but I'm going to. They're going to take out the Vikings. Seahawks at Washington. I'm going Washington. Seahawks offense has been, ugh, where Washington's defense has been really impressive. Playing good football lately, beasting. I'm going Washington. And they're playing for something because they want the lead of the NFC East so they can get into the playoffs. Yeah, got to go Washington. Jags at Ravens. Ravens all day. Sorry, Jags. I've liked it. I think you've won one game. Ravens playing good football. And if they can hold off the Browns, who are surprisingly awesome this year, I'm going Ravens. Jets at Rams. The Jets are still, still winless. 0-13, they are not going to be the Rams. Eagles at Cardinals. After the Eagles beat the Saints, I'm kind of hesitant about this, but I am going to go Cardinals. Offense is cool. Kyler Murray, pretty impressive rookie quarterback. I'm going Cardinals. Kansas City Chiefs at New Orleans Saints. If Drew Brees is playing, this is a different game. If he is not, Chiefs all day, no questions. Drew Brees plays. That offense clicks like it was before you got hurt. This is going to be difficult, but I'm going Chiefs. Cleveland Browns at New York Giants. Giants having crazy quarterback debacles. Team struggles often. Browns playing good. I'm going Browns. Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh Steelers at Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals would probably get beat by most high school teams. I'm going Steelers. They've lost the last two. They want to get back on the winning track. So let's put a injury-depleted Cincinnati Bengals in front of them. Steelers are going to push through. Easy W. The NFL Week 15 segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. 
Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. It's December, end of a treacherous 2020. However, Mendota Ford wants to usher in a better 2021 with an end of the year sale like never before. New management leads the team into the new year as Ski Hartman, who was just on episode 143 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, brings 10 years of experience with a pressure-free, no-hassle approach for your buying experience. Go visit my friends and turn them into your friends, Ski, Jason, Tony, and Doug at Shimmer Ford, located just south of Mendota on 251, or contact them at 815-539-9314, or visit MendotaFord.com. And after you get your new car, let's worry about you. Get you in physical shape or keep the awesome shape that you're already in. Because let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape or to stay that way. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses, LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prue Mall across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time. It's not one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group? LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including body weight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive, comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcome and viewed as equal. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? You'd be welcomed with a hello, how are you, go get at it type of atmosphere. You want a more relaxed approach? You're still welcomed with a hello, how are you, go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Well, that is the intro for episode 145 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. Check us out on social media, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. Have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, have a good story to tell us, or want to do some advertising with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, send us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Don't know where you listen to this one, but if you want to switch the platform, Edge of Your Seat Podcast can be heard on Spotify and Apple Music iTunes, or you can check out the Edge of Your Seat website, rss.com backslash podcast backslash edge of your seat podcast well without further ado let's get to josh norman hear about the 95 movies that he's checked out during covid19 quarantine and the ivcc women's basketball team and tons and tons of national sports talk we will be back soon as we have two more great guests this week 
and Brian Cabelli, the creator, mastermind of the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat podcast, and Amanda Koss, a mother, a wife, a professional with a job. All these things going on, COVID-19, still got to push through, and now she is trying to get on the Mendota Elementary School Board. Lots of things going on. She breaks everything down and gives us some tips, some pointers of trying to keep life in one piece during a time where it's insanely difficult to keep life in one piece. So make sure you're checking out the social media and listening. We appreciate every single listen for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Until next time, peace. We have all been going through this COVID-19 thing. It has swept through in March. It is now December. And we have all been quarantined and sitting at home. And bars and restaurants are closed. Amusement parks, anything that we want to do for fun, not available. So, had to find things that we want to do or we can do and enjoy it. I have started cooking, playing a little bit more video games, and going as hard as possible on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Looking for guests. Things to talk about, it's been going amazing. My guest today has been on before, know him real well, the head coach of IVCC Women's Basketball, where I'm an assistant with him on his staff, Josh Norman. How's it going, my friend? Going great. Chiefs got a big win today, so I'm in a good mood. The Chiefs are killing it. I mean, they lost to the Raiders, which, you know, whatever, and then they played again and only beat them by three, so Raiders, I guess, think they know how to play with the Chiefs, but... They've been doing really well. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are my front runners for MVP. Yeah, Mahomes struggled today. He had his uh, first career three interception game. He only had two all year, and they're both against the Raiders coming in this afternoon. But uh, he got picked three times today. Andy had a fumble, four turnovers. Really disappointing because in the fantasy football team that I have him on I was in seventh place and if I lost I was going to drop to ninth and miss the playoffs if I won maybe got sixth or sated seven and was in the playoffs well he didn't do well lots of other players on my team didn't do well and I'm pretty much bounced from the season it's not not fun no never never fun with fantasy football I uh I think I had a good week this week. It looks like uh, 2-0 in the playoffs for this week and I had another team with a bye so I'm in good shape we can't be friends anymore. I don't want you to talk about awesomeness where my teams... I'm out of the playoffs in both of them now. My league that I was real strong in, I was in like second place the whole year. I fell to fourth last week, and I'm already bouncing the playoffs. I'm mad. <laughs> I think I'm going to go uh, four out of my six are going to be in the playoffs, but looks like uh, only two played this week. One had a bye, and one had one last week of the regular season. So, good week this week. Of course, the one that I didn't make the playoffs in was my son and all his friends and their dad. So, gotcha. The, uh, the Putnam County eighth graders beat up on me. The Putnam County eighth graders took you out. Yep, that's awesome. <laughs> so you're in six leagues. I, I got six going this year. Wow. Well, at least I gave you something to pay attention to during COVID, I guess. Yes, it kept me busy. That is actually down one or two leagues from last year. I think last year I did eight, so. Wow. I did three leagues and then a pick'em. Yeah, the pick'ems, uh, those can be tough. I'm actually in first place right now, and I'm not trying to jinx, and I probably, now that I said <laughs> that, I'm going to fall down the list as we go here, but right now, as teams are going through, it is 
Sunday at 7.51, so we're on the Sunday night game. As of now, I only got one pick wrong, and that was Texans and Bears. You had the Eagles. Okay, two. I forgot about that one. Two. So I missed the Saints and the Eagles, and I missed the Texans and the Bears because I'm a huge Bears fan, but after watching the last two weeks of football, I was like, there's no way Deshaun Watson is going to tear the defense apart, and... You know, our offense isn't going to do anything. And then the Bears come out and look like they're the best team in the NFL. Well, the, uh, the Texans lost a lot of their offense this week. Yeah, Will Fuller got suspended, and then uh, Brandon Cooks was out, and David Johnson was out, and they were they were hurting at wide receiver, I know. I guess I should have just paid more attention to the research going on, and then maybe I would have picked the Bears. Yeah, I think a couple of them were scratched this morning or yesterday, though. It was kind of... Cooks was questionable, and then I heard this morning he was going to be inactive, so I think he was kind of expected to play. Mitchell Trubisky looks like he was actually a good quarterback. (laughs) That's a rarity. He had three touchdowns. Just looked good. He actually really looked good. Yeah, I didn't watch much of that. Chase Ron, but I uh, was following it, checking scores. We will go around in the circle and hit some more sports up, but... My intro saying, you know, find things to do during COVID-19. You have been on a movie trend turning into Siskel and Ebert <laughs> this whole COVID-19. I have. I used to watch a ton of movies back in high school and college. I was big into movies. Big into Siskel and Ebert, too. Loved that show. And used to get Ebert's book every year with all his movie reviews. But hadn't watched much for a long time. Never seemed to find time to watch movies. Well, when COVID hit back in March and there was no sports on and no practices to plan and no buses to drive and nothing going on, I started, I have all of these old DVDs and lots of them that I've planned on watching again. And I just started uh, kind of busting through them and watching movies a lot. My son, a lot of them come watch with me. I got an eighth grade son, so he's kind of into some of them, so... We started, you know, the first couple months we were in quarantine, we probably watched about a movie a day. And then it really slowed down once sports got back and school started back up, but I still watch uh, a few now and then. From March to now, through the COVID-19 era, how many movies have you watched? I'm on 95. It was about 60 in about the first 60 days. But in about the last four months or five months, it's only been about 35. I don't think I've watched 35 movies in the last two years. Yeah, but uh, like you said, with no sports on and uh, nothing to do, stuck at home, that left a lot of free time. And I actually had been trying for years to get my wife to watch Gone with the Wind. So the first weekend of COVID, we watched Gone with the Wind, and I put something on Facebook about her finally watching it. It got a bunch of comments, and then I just kind of went from there and Every time I'd see people, they were always talking about movies, and I was so sick of seeing stuff about politics and COVID all over Facebook, so I just started putting them all on whenever I watched one, and it tends to generate some conversation. I'm still blown away by that. 95 movies. Wow. Yeah, like I said, it's really, uh, what have we been in quarantine for? About seven months, eight months? Yeah, well, it's about nine now. Yeah, and like I said, the first two months, it was quite a few. We were watching probably one a day, but since then, so the last seven months, it's really only been 35 movies, so that's uh, not too many. You know, one a week almost, a little more than that, maybe. 
Still impressive to me anyway. Might not be much to you, Josh. Coach Nami. Yeah, it, it's a lot compared to what I've watched in the uh, last several years because it seems like I haven't watched too many. And like I said, there's a lot of old movies that I loved and wanted to see. And they also had, I think, HBO and Cinemax and several of the movie channels had free preview weeks when COVID started. So I DVR'd a bunch and been keeping busy with it. I had seen when you were around... I know you weren't in the 90s yet, but you had made a list of, kind of ranked all the movies that you had watched. Out of the 95 that you've seen, what are your top five? Let's see here. I had uh, Casablanca, North by Northwest, so a couple old ones at the top two, Saving Private Ryan, Dead Again, and Stand By Me. Do any of those five find themselves in like your top movies of all time? Uh, Casablanca definitely would. I mean, they're all probably up there. A lot of my favorites I haven't watched over uh, the quarantine here. Stand By Me always resonates. I mean, LaChance is in there. There's no other movies with a LaChance character. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. Seeing that as a little kid, I'm like, that's going to be me. And it kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watched that one, I think, right away. That was one of the first couple we watched over uh, the quarantine because... My son wanted to watch it, so we had a family movie night. What were some surprise movies? Some movies that you either already seen and didn't think they were very good, and then you watched it and you thought, hey, this was actually way better than I thought. Or a movie that you hadn't seen that you surprisingly liked when you didn't think you would. Ah, I don't know. Let's see. I know uh, like The Right Stuff was one that I had loved and thought was one of my favorite movies of all time, and we watched it, and... I wasn't as high on it as I have been. I mean, it's still really good, but a little disappointing. I probably hadn't seen it in 10 or 15 years. It wasn't quite the same. One that kind of surprised me how much I loved it was Dead Again. I knew I had seen that several times, too, and loved it. But uh, I was surprised how much I liked it when I rewatched it. That would probably be about the two biggest surprises. There have probably been some others. Like I said, a lot of these, uh, you know, I watched a long time ago. There have been some that were pretty bad, too. Some of them I kind of knew would be pretty bad, but we watched anyway. But I think my least favorite so far is probably Back to the Future 3. We watched the first two, and the first one's really good. The second one's all right, but the third one was just awful. That was hard to sit through. That is my exact opinion, too. Is the third one where they... Is that the Midwest one? Yes. It is? The third one's where they go to the West. Okay, yeah. That I one is awful. It, it was awful. Man of Steel was one that kind of surprised me, a Superman movie, which I liked, the old Superman movies. I was kind of excited to see that, and I was completely bored with it. Did not like Man of Steel? Did not like Man of Steel much at all. Really did like The Joker, though. I had no idea how much I would like that. I hadn't seen it. That one was uh, surprisingly good. I'm surprised I have not seen that movie yet, because I'm a huge Batman fan. Grew up in the 80s, obviously, you know, when the first Batman movie came out. Yeah. Ever since then, like, I've seen every Batman movie. I'm surprised I have not seen that yet, and I heard it was a great, fantastic movie. It, it was wonderful. It's, I think, by far my favorite of the Batman movies. And I liked the old ones, too, but it was, uh, it was really good. It was a little dark, but it was definitely a very good movie. Being that you've seen the Batman movies, where does Joaquin Phoenix kind of rank in the Jokers? Is he your favorite? Uh, he was great. I mean, I love Jack Nicholson, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix was excellent. I always liked Heath Ledger, too. He was a really good Joker. I don't even remember if I've seen those. I'm sure I have. 
but I don't remember those kind of mid. I mean, all the real early ones I watched, and I watched the Joker. Now I don't know if I ever saw the ones in between. If you have it and you're still doing COVID nineteen movies, try to fit the Dark Knight on there. It's a great movie. I will have to find the Dark Knight and watch that one. It's a good one. Heath Ledger was amazing. Yeah, like I said, I used to watch movies all the time, but then with uh, kids and coaching and just never found time to watch much and. All of a sudden, with all this free time, I started watching a lot of movies again. Do you think that's going to trickle over kind of after this slows, I guess, not slows down, but life gets back to normal? Are you going to still try to watch movies, or is this yeah. a COVID-19 deal? We'll see. I'm sure I'll probably watch quite a few still, but, you know, once basketball season hopefully starts up in January, that'll cut out the free time. I'll be spending all my time watching uh game tape and planning practices and driving buses all over the midwest but you know even since sports once baseball season started and basketball the nba bubble was fantastic so i wasn't watching a whole lot of movies while uh, the socks were on and the bubble was going on and you know even now i've started to a little bit more just because i think a lot of it too with basketball and baseball over it's just football and you know it's kind of one day a week although i usually watch uh Monday and Thursday, too, but yeah, I'm sure once uh, sports pick up full swing again here, it'll be a little less. For sure, for sure. I'm ready to be in that bus, watch some game tape, and do some practices with you. I have been fiending for a basketball season to start. Oh, I can't wait. You know, we got a few practices in this fall, but we've been pretty much shut down since the beginning of November, so hopefully uh, a few more weeks here and we get to go back at it. And I'm probably in the best shape of my adult life at the moment. So, you know, if we need somebody to step in for practices, I might be your guy, Coach. Um, I wouldn't want you to get embarrassed too bad by the girls. but <laughs> And they would, too. They'd embarrass me. They probably would. and They'd, they'd let you know about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be all fun, though. It'd be fun. <laughs> they'd be asking me to... Uh... Get the gym camera to see if we can get a video of it. <laughs> hey, I'm not that awful. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Through the few practices that you were able to run and get to know the team a little bit, when a season starts, I'm going to say when, I'm not going to say if, just to give a little oomph for us to get a season. What are some things that you're looking forward to with the Eagles and maybe some of the rosters, some of the players that either came back or that you picked up? Well, I'm excited for this season. I mean, um, we had eight of our ten back from last year, and we had seven freshmen. I was really excited about uh, getting them coming in. I thought we were going to have some good talent, and they're a great group of young ladies. They're a lot of fun to be around, and I was excited for it. But uh, our roster has kind of shrunk a little bit since then with Everything getting postponed until January. We now have all the sports overlapping. So we had a couple girls who other sports were their top priority. And with seasons now overlapping, they have to choose. They can't do both. So we lost three players, uh, one to softball and two to volleyball. So, you know, we're still at 12. I still really like the team we have. We have you know, Gabby Engelhoft and Aubrey Rhoda and Meredith Sidwell back, who were pretty much starters for us last year. We also have, you know, Janessa Hart and Naomi Ochuba. Both played a lot, started some games. So, you know, we have five players with quite a bit of experience coming back. Uh, we also have Zoe Miller and Maddie Porter got, uh, you know, some experience last year, played a little. 
On top of that, I think we have a great freshman class. You know, Kenzie Coleman and Maddie Gransar and Maddie Freeman have all looked great in practice. I think they're going to play key roles. And then we've got Kaylee Schultzkowski and Christine Seneca, who I think can help out too. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've, um, you know, got a chance to be improved quite a bit from last year. You know, hopefully we get to have some games. Like I said, I can't wait. They need to just stop the madness and let us play. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, it, it's going to be different this year, but hopefully uh, we get some games in, get a full season. You mentioned watching sports when they came back around. What did you think about the Los Angeles Lakers winning the ship, the championship for the NBA? I'm not a big Lakers fan, but they were uh, they were fun to watch. They uh, definitely, I think, were the best team when they came back. I, I really probably didn't watch as much of the finals as I had everything up until then. You know, the playoffs were a blast. Some of those early round series were great. Watching Luca was tremendous basketball. Um, Such a stud. Oh, he was he was so fun to watch, and you know a lot of the playoffs were fun to watch. Watching Dame Lillard, the way he went off there at the end in the bubble, it was some great basketball to watch, and it was fun too, just without the crowd noise to be able to hear more of what was going on and to hear the uh, communication and talking on defense. And I just loved watching the bubble. As a coach and being able to listen to them communicate and talk, did you, you know, reach out to your players or, you know, just in your head, like, hey, if I could coach this and we could do this on the court, we'd be way better? Yeah, I'm always huge on talking. I think that's the biggest thing, your biggest key to playing good defense. You know, if you can communicate, it's great. I mean, confident teams talk. You play so much better. You're so much more involved when you're talking. Uh, it's hard to play against as an offense when the other team's out there talking and communicating. I mean, I'm huge on that anyway, but it was fun to get to hear it more in the NBA where you didn't have all the crowd noise and you could actually hear how much they talk. I tell my teams this a lot, and I've threatened teams with this, but I was down in Illinois practice one time when Coach Self was there. I used to go watch a lot of his practices. He got mad at the team one day because they weren't talking enough on defense, and he made the... Uh, defense get off the floor and stand on the baseline he had the offense run their offense five on zero and the whole defense had to stand there screaming as loud as they could what they should be saying if they were guarding their guy as their guy cut so they just had to imagine they were out there on the floor and you know talk while they were just standing there and that was just incredible to watch you know how much he got them talking then and yeah, it's something I don't think I've ever done that, but I've threatened teams with it. You know, it's it's so hard to get teams to talk, and it's such a big factor when you can. Why do you think talking on defense is such a something that they don't want to do, players in general? I mean, I remember when I was playing basketball. I don't know. It was kind of the same you know, way. Coaches were always yelling at us to talk, and we didn't. All the years in high school, I, you know, I sit and listen to you guys in class, and you won't shut up. You get in the locker room and on the bus, you don't want to shut up. Then you get on the floor where I want you talking nonstop, and nobody wants to say a thing. And I think it's a lot of times, I don't know if it's just people are self-conscious or they are scared they're going to say the wrong thing, you know, but it seems like confident players talk. And, you know, when you get the whole team talking, it's just it's hard to play against, and they're involved and I don't know. It's To me, it's the biggest factor in being a good team defensively. Going back to the NBA bubble real quick, two things that I totally noticed 
and I guess everybody else did too. First, the Philadelphia 76ers, I love the roster, but for some odd reason, that group of players cannot play the game together. No, they can't. And I think they, they just seem to struggle shooting. I mean, with Simmons not being able to hit a three, and they just, you know, they had nobody to space things out to help him beat inside. And I don't know. They have all the talent, but they just struggle. Hopefully, uh, Doc Rivers can figure it out for him. Yeah, that was a good pickup from them. And I seen that uh, James Harden said, put in his trade request, at first it was the Nets, and now he's saying, hey, I would even go play with Philadelphia. Yeah, I saw he said the Bucks too. I don't know. It's uh, Usually if they're trading you, you don't get to pick who you go to. Right, right. I love the NBA, but it's crazy how it's such a star league. They run the asylum. Yeah, there's no doubt about that in most cases. I don't know, it seems like so many of these teams it's just, you know, getting superstars together, but uh, that's why it was kind of fun to watch Miami too, you know, they didn't have the big superstar, you know, combos like all the other teams seem to be trying to get, and to watch them, how well they played together and how hard they played, that was fun, to watch uh, you know, some of their young guards, watch Tyler Hero explode a few times and watch Butler lead that team was a lot of fun too. Bam Abadayo is a monster. Yes, he was. And it's too bad that him and, uh, who was it, Dragic were hurt for most of the finals because I thought they might be able to give the Lakers uh, at least a little more competition than they did. I could have seen it going to seven if they were playing. I totally could have seen that. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Lakers were going to win it, but I thought it could be a really fun series. But then there were a couple games where, you know, the Heat were missing half the roster. It was fun to watch the Heat, too, with two ex-Illini uh, on there. I'm trying to think who these Illini were. Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn. I am a fan of Kendrick Nunn. When he was, he's, <laughs> he's a stud. As a point guard, running with Jimmy Butler, he's really good. Yeah, he had, he had some good games. He didn't play a whole lot when they came back to the bubble. He had a very surprisingly good regular season. Then they came back to the bubble, and he was barely playing. He had a few games in the finals, especially like when Dragic got hurt, where he got quite a bit of time. And Leonard, of course, just been basically a bench guy, but he played a lot, too. I think he started a couple games when Adebayo was out. And they made a big deal when they re-signed him in the offseason. So they're, they're yeah. happy with Myers Leonard. Yeah, I mean, I think he's never going to be a superstar, but I think he you know, does a good job of filling the role they need out of him. You know, he can give him some good minutes off the bench and play some defense and rebound, and he can shoot a little bit. I don't think he's ever going to have a huge role, you know, as one of the main players, but I think he uh, fits in nicely for what they need him for. I forgot about Myers Leonard going to Illinois. Of course, I knew Kendrick Dunn, but I forgot about Myers. So I'm sitting there thinking, who's the second one? The bubble was a lot of fun to watch. Another team, when you brought up the Heat, the series that I liked, it, I thought it could have been better, but the Heat and the Celtics, I mean, that is the future of basketball if these teams stay together. Yeah, Celtics are, they're loaded with a lot of talent and the Heat. I don't know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee does this year, too. I mean, they had such a great regular season and then were nothing like themselves when they came to the bubble, and that's kind of who I was pulling for. They didn't last long, and Suns were fun in the bubble, too, man. Booker. Devin Booker is a stud. I know. Aiton was all right, but Booker was just on fire. I mean, they're going to be interesting with Chris Paul, too. But, yeah, Drew went to the Bucks. 
Drew Holiday on the Bucks makes all the sense in the world to me. Veteran, leader, defense, shooter. He's going to make that team so much better. I'm really excited for Milwaukee this year. Yeah, and defensively, they were so good. I saw an article, I should send it to you. It was really interesting on how good Lopez was defensively. And it was just all these stat breakdowns about their defense with him. It was uh, a very interesting read, all the stuff he does. Always been a fan of Lopez, always. Yeah. Both Lopez's, actually. Yeah. Then, of course, we had the baseball season. Cubs started off hot, fizzled. White Sox started off slow and then got really hot and then kind of fizzled in the playoffs. But it was fun from a Chicago baseball fan point of view to watch both teams. Didn't watch much Cubs, but uh, watched a lot of Sox. And this is a uh, fun young team. Going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. Uh, not real excited about the managerial choice, but love this team. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Love the moves they made in the offseason so far. I mean, getting Lance Lynn is huge. It, it'll be interesting. See how Tony does. Yeah, you were talking about managerial move. Tony LaRussa was with the Cardinals, won a couple rings, championships. Bring him here. He's like 76, I believe. Yeah, I remember he left the Sox. I would have been, I think, 12. I mean, I remember him from when I was a little kid. I loved the 83 Sox. It was probably the first team that really got me into baseball. And now LaRusse is back. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then we find out after he's hired, he's with the Sox. He had a DUI in February and might go to jail or has trials and cases and already some mayhem behind him. Right today, the DUI charges got dropped. Well, that's fantastic. He, he pled guilty to, I think, reckless driving, a lesser charge, and accepted a plea deal. Well, good. Bury that. Let's move on. Let's play some baseball. Yeah. Let's kind of elaborate on Lance Lynn signing. What do you feel he adds to the team, and how is he going to improve the Sox, who already had a great year, obviously want to take a step forward? Just get a solid veteran pitcher in there. I think he... Uh been one of the top guys in the league in innings pitched the last few years. I think he's finished top six in Cy Young voting the last two years. So that's uh, obviously a great addition. That's what killed the Sox in the playoffs last year. They had basically two starters and nothing else. And that uh, game three of that series against Oakland was hard to watch. Um, you know, bringing in a solid third starter and hopefully Dylan Cecil realize some of his potential this year. And then you've also got... Kopak, who opted out last year, coming back. So hopefully uh, they'll be solid this year. I mean, offensively, I know they should be loaded. So hopefully Lynn can come in and eat some innings and be a solid uh, number two or three starter for them. And I saw they, uh, they're they up to the favorites to win the American League by a lot of people I've been reading the last few days. And they should be. I'm really happy about that. Jose Abreu, AL MVP. I didn't think it deserved to be anybody else's but him. No, he was tremendous. And I think, uh, you know, right up until the last couple of weeks, Tim Anderson was giving him uh, his biggest competition. Jose Ramirez kind of took off the last few weeks and finished second. But Anderson had such a tremendous year. I love Tim Anderson. With Eloy and Luis Robert, that's going to be a fun team to watch. And really, their best player the year before had been Moncada, and he really struggled last year offensively. And I think a lot of it had to do with uh, him having COVID before the season. Definitely. A lot of fun watching the White Sox, and there's a lot to be excited about in the future. No doubt about that. 
Yeah, I can't wait. They've got most of these guys locked up for several years. I mean, they have such a great young core, and they have a lot of money because they've got them all locked up in team-friendly contracts. So it should be a nice uh, run here for the South Side. This was the buzz with the Chicago Cubs when they won the World Series in 2016. Started a couple years before that. They win the World Series, and like, hey, they got these young kids. Not kids, but young athletes, and they're locked up, and they're going to keep going for a while. Hopefully the White Sox can actually turn this into more prosperous, more you know, success than the Cubs have been able to do the last two years not went the way they wanted to. Hopefully the Sox can keep it rolling a little longer, a little better. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I mean, I'll be happy if they win one, but I think part of what hurt the Cubs, too, is, you know, they had a couple bad contracts in there. I mean, they signed Hayward to that deal, and he helped, but they had so much money tied up in Hayward and Lester and signing Darvish that they kind of, you know, were unable to improve their, themselves and fill in the holes they needed to as time went on. And when you have a guy like Chapman as a reliever, and he helps you win a World Series, and then he's no longer there, that has a lot to well, do with it as well. Yeah, they hurt themselves with those trades, too. I mean, they traded Chapman, and he helped him win the World Series, but imagine if they had Glaber Torres. And then they made the deal with the Sox, too. I mean, they've played a huge part in the Sox success because they traded Quintana for Eloy and Dylan Cease. Cubs would be a different team now if they had Glaber Torres, Dylan Cease, and Eloy Jimenez. I thank the Cubs every day for Eloy Jimenez coming to the White Sox. I enjoy oh, it. Oh, I do too. And I thank the Nationals for that deal. I mean, think about that deal that the Sox made. They traded Adam Eaton for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning. And now they flipped Dunning for Lance Lynn and re-signed Eaton. I was happy with that Eaton deal, too. One year, not a crazy amount of money, but probably what he's worth. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it was a low-risk move, and they kind of filled some of their holes without jeopardizing anything. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but they can always go trade and get a rental at the deadline. But, you know, they were able to fill the hole without locking a lot of things up. I mean, I've seen a lot of people on, you know, White Sox fan groups online social media talking about you know how much they wanted Springer and how the Sox should have got Sprung. You know, he's a 31-year-old outfielder you're going to have to commit at least $100 million to. You know, if that doesn't work out, you're stuck with it. You know, they can take a chance on Eaton for a year, and if it works, great. If not, they can still, you know, go pick up a rental at the deadline. It has been so long since I played fantasy baseball. The very last time that I played, George Springer was a rookie. Yeah, and I think he's 31 now, so it's been a while. Yeah, just a few years, just a few. We have talked all kinds of sports. we got to have a game on Edge of Your Seat podcast with each guest. We're going to play now and then. You've talked about a few teams. Let's break a couple down with your favorite players of all time and your favorite players now. Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) My favorite was definitely Derek Thomas. That's why I became a Chiefs fan. I mean, I was in high school, and I didn't really like any team, and I loved Derek Thomas watching him in college, and I kind of decided when I was like a freshman in high school, whoever drafted Derek Thomas was going to be my team, and I've been a Chiefs fan for about 30 years now. So loved him growing up, and now, I mean, this team now is amazing. They're so fun to watch, and after 30 years of suffering, you know, the last year or two has been wonderful. I guess my favorite now would have to be Mahomes. He's incredible. I know that there's talent all across the Kansas City Chiefs roster, but in my mind, you cannot pick anybody but 
Patrick Mahomes. No, I mean, he's the real deal. I mean, he might go down as the best football player ever. I read a great article the other day saying he was the combination of all the best parts of Michael Jordan and LeBron. You know, he has Jordan's competitiveness with LeBron's personality, and it was uh, basically making a case for him as the best player ever, and he's tremendous. He is so fun to watch, and uh, it's just been amazing. I mean, the Chiefs trading up to get him was... uh, you know, definitely franchise changing. And I love this full roster. I mean, there's a lot of great players on it. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are fun, and the defense, Matthew's been great. But, you know, there, there's no way you can go with anyone other than Patrick Mahomes. I love Kelsey. Kelsey is an amazing tight end. Oh, he is. Andy Reid has done such a great job and putting together so much talent. They're fun to watch. I mean, lost one game in the last, I think, 13 months. Is Andy Reid your favorite coach of all time? Uh, he's probably got to be. I mean, as far as the Chiefs. And it's been a long uh, long stretch before Andy Reid. Just some of the quarterbacks were so bad, you know, over the years. And they had a lot of years they had great defenses that were fun to watch. But the offense destroyed them. And it's been a lot of fun watching since Andy got there. Give me some names of some of these quarterbacks. I don't know why, but the only one that's popping in my head right now is Joe Montana. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that, that was a couple of years it wasn't as bad. But they had Steve DeBerg and Montana and Elvis Gerbach and I don't even remember. Tyler Bray, I'm trying to think. Well, Alex Smith wasn't too bad. Kyle Orton was there for a while. I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot here, too. I can't even think right now. They've all been bad. I know when uh, Mahomes won his first start with Kansas City, it was the first time they had had a quarterback they drafted win a game for them since Todd Blackledge, who they took in the first round in 1983. (laughs) Wow. That was the first quarterback they had drafted that had won a game for them. Oh, wow. That's crazy. You said Kyle Orton, and that reminded me of his Chicago Bears days. I would rather have Kyle Orton than... Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, Rex Grossman, all of them. Maybe even uh, Jay Cutler. Maybe even Jay Cutler. I loved Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton was fun. He was a game manager, but he didn't hurt you. You know, he, he wasn't going to make a lot of huge plays to win the game, but he didn't make the mistakes to take you out of it either. I remember going to a Bears-Chiefs game at Soldier Field in about 2012, maybe. And it was the year of the Chiefs, I think, won like one or two games and ended up getting the number one pick in the draft and getting Andy Reid the next year. And I think the Chiefs won it 10-7 on a Hail Mary right before halftime, a 50-yard TD pass. And I think that was the worst quarterback matchup in NFL history. And I can't even remember who they were now. It was the most pathetic game I've ever seen. And I think it was 7 to nothing or 3 nothing at right before halftime. And the Chiefs threw a Hail Mary on the last play and caught it for a touchdown and ended up winning, I think, 10-7. That sounds like the Bears, though. I mean, that sounds... Yeah, it, like it was like the most pathetic football game ever. And it was cold and rainy, and we were up in the upper deck at Soldier Field, and at least the Chiefs won. Uh, being a Bears fan is rough, but I mean, you know the same thing being a Chiefs fan until recently. Yeah, and I've been an Illinois fan my whole life, so. I like your transition. Thank you for setting me up. Illinois. 
Illinois, fighting Illini. I have also been an Illinois fan for most of my life. I went to SIU, so, you know, SIU is always first in my basketball book, but I always love Illinois. We could sit here and name players back and forth all day, but I want to know your favorites all time and now. Oh, man, all time for basketball? Would it probably have to be Kenny Battle, but D. Brown's a close second. They, they just both played with such energy, such heart. They, they were so fun to watch. But, you know, when I was a kid, definitely Kenny Battle. And then I loved D. Brown. This year's team's been a lot of fun. Um, Io obviously is great. The one who's really impressed me is Curbelo. I really like watching him play. He's making a lot of freshman mistakes right now, but I think he's going to be something special before he gets done. What I love about Ayo Desumu is on a off night, he is scoring 18 points, grabbing seven rebounds, and giving you five assists. On a great night, he's an easy triple-double. Yeah, he uh, he was great last night. Last night was the first time I really saw him start forcing stuff, though. He had 36 last night, played tremendous, but when it was a close game down the stretch, he kind of started trying to take over. I think a lot of it was everybody else was playing bad. He's had success closing out games before. Last night was the first time he really didn't look too good trying to do it. He started forcing stuff and taking some bad shots. But he has been absolutely tremendous. He's been a lot of fun to watch the last few years. And when you say last night, you're talking about the game against Missouri. Illinois comes in at yeah. number six in the country, and they fall 81-78 to Mizzou. It was a good game, though. It was. It was uh, fun. I mean, Illinois just – I don't think Iowa got a lot of help last night. Coburn's got to get better. He's got to learn to guard somebody. I mean, he's great blocking shots, but teams have figured out he can't guard in the perimeter at all, and they're bringing him out away from the basket. And he's struggling some this year, and he's just watching him try and catch passes. I mean, how many times last night did they have alley-oops or passes to him right under the basket where he bobbled him out of bounds? He is not ready for the NBA right now. I'm glad he came back, and I don't know if he's going to be ready after this year either, the way he looks. I agree. I agree. I wish we were back in the day where everybody was staying at least three, four years. Yeah, and I think even if next year, I think Illinois should be all right. I mean, with Miller and Curbelo, that's a nice start. You know, that's two guards that were top 50 in the country, freshman guards this year, and I think they'll be all right. They'll get Georgie back next year. I mean, and right now, you know, Georgie's a much better college player than Kofi right now. And, you know, he's obviously not going to be as good a player at the next level or get the opportunities of Kofi. Kofi has just, you know, some tremendous size and physical ability. He's just got a long ways to go as far as learning how to play the game. Every game that I've seen, Miller has been invisible. Like, it's like he's not even there. I know he's talented. Yeah. I know he can play. But I watched him do game. I watched him Baylor game. And it was like he was not even on the court. Yeah, the big games, he's kind of just... I mean, the first game this year's freshman debut, he had 29 points. The most ever for a Illinois freshman in their first game. The Duke game, I think he had three threes in the first, what, four minutes or something? And then he didn't score the rest of the game. And he's got a ways to go, but he's definitely has some talent. And Curbelo's kind of done the opposite. He started out a little slow, but he's been coming on. And I really like Curbelo's game. I think he's going to be a really nice player by the time he's done. I told you we were going to stop after Kansas City and the fighting Illini, but I mean, we already talked about the White Sox. And I just want to know, who are your favorite players now and then, all time and now for the Chicago White Sox? 
Growing up, it was definitely Carlton Fisk. I was a huge Carlton Fisk fan. He was by far my favorite player of all time. Now, you talked about Jose. I love Jose. But my favorite now would probably be Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito. They're both great players. They're both uh, very intelligent, very well-spoken. I I really like those two. That would probably have to be my favorites. Although I love Eloy, too, watching him play. He's always got that big grin on his face and having so much fun out there. Um, Like I said, I mean, I love a Brayer, too. But I'd probably have to go Giolito and Anderson. I love Tim Anderson. He is probably my favorite player in the league right now. Yeah. And like I said, him and Giolito. I I love both of them. I do like Giolito as well, but for some odd reason, Anderson's character, just the way he plays the game, I just love everything about him. Oh, I do too. I think Giolito's the same way. I mean, both of them, just their character, the, like I said, they're both so intelligent and well-spoken, and I don't know, they, they represent themselves and the team very well. Totally agree, my friend. Totally agree. I had one more question. I was going to ask you when we were talking about Illinois. You said D. Brown, one of your favorite players. Did you like D. Brown better than Darren Williams on that 2005 national championship team? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like Darren, too. And D. just such a personality. You know, D. had so much heart. He played so hard. He was kind of the heart and soul of uh, Illinois basketball. And that's how Kenny Battle had done. I mean, those Kenny Battle teams, you had Kendall Gill and Nicky Anderson, who ended up being the NBA stars. But, um, you know, Kenny Battle was the heart and soul of those teams, just like Dee Brown was the heart and soul of the 05 team. And I'm glad you brought up Kenny Battle again. You and I seen him together in person at IVCC. Yes, he's uh, now an assistant coach at Kishwaukee, so they were in an IVCC plan, and I run into Kenny every once in a while. I've worked camps with him a few times and seen him in coaching, and he's an interesting guy. He's a really great guy. It's kind of funny, the one year when uh, I was working camp at Illinois camp, and I was the gym commissioner, and Kenny Battle was one of the coaches in our gym. Well, the Bruce Weber and the Illinois staff kept telling us, you know, make sure your coaches are standing up and active. Don't let your coaches sit down when they're doing drills. Don't let your coaches wear a hat. Make sure, you know, they don't have a hat on. Well, guess what? One coach sat down for every drill and wore a hat the whole time. Kenny Battle, of course. So here I am. It's like, how can I go tell, like, my hero in life that he's got to take his hat off and stand up? So we, we just kind of let Kenny slide on that. But You didn't say anything to him? No, we, uh, I wasn't going to say anything to Kenny. I was too busy listening to all of his uh, stories of the 89 team. But <laughs> You're like, Kenny Battle, you get a pass. I'm not going to use my rules on you. Yeah, I mean, we, we could tell. We'd kind of remind all the coaches, you know, hey, you're supposed to be doing this, and Kenny would ignore us. And <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go tell Kenny what to do. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. But yeah, I remember I'm standing there and I'm looking at him and I'm kind of like, is that him? Is that him? And then you come up to me and he's like, hey, there's Kenny Battle. And I'm like, oh, that is him. Like, it's crazy. Kenny's a nice guy. I remember when he was working camp that year, though, I mean, he had to sit a lot because he could barely get around. His knee was so bad. He was getting it replaced. And all he kept telling us is, by next year, I'll be back here. I'll have my 40 back and I'll be throwing down dunks. And like, I'd love to see it, but it, it was weird to see him. Uh, having such a hard time just walking to the gyms. 
Didn't get to see a lot of that team. I mean, I'm born in 85, so 89 team, I'm four years old. Didn't really know much about basketball then, but of course, heard all the stories, went back and tried to watch as much, you know, clips and stuff that as, as I can, and I wish I would have been older and been able to have been in those gyms and watch that team play. Yeah, I never saw him play in person. I was uh, about a freshman or sophomore in high school that year, and they, I, I lived and died with that team. I loved them. That was kind of the first... Uh, time I really got into an Illinois basketball team and they were a lot of fun. I remember sitting there crying when uh, Nick Anderson didn't block out Sean Higgins. You cried? Oh yeah. Like a little bit? I, uh, I was devastated as a 14 year old. I really didn't get crazy into Illinois until that 2004-2005 team. Then like I've been paying attention ever since. Yeah and that team was fun too. There were some good ones in between but I mean Illinois got set back so far with the uh NCAA sanctions, and it was kind of a rough stretch there, which was basically the time I was there because I got there right after, you know, a few years after that Final Four team. And, you know, sad too, the 89 team, I saw, well, Lou Henson died a few months ago, and now I saw Jimmy Collins, who was the top assistant on that team, the lead recruiter, passed away yesterday. Rest in peace to both of them. Yeah. We've talked a lot about a lot of stuff. Covered it all. <laughs> I believe we have. That's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Josh, Coach Josh Norman, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Talk again a lot about everything. Got some movies, some White Sox, some Kansas City Chiefs, some Fighting Illini. Talked about it all. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yeah, hopefully I'll uh, be seeing a lot of you here in a few weeks. Oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I'm just hoping. <laughs>